morning to the chapel in Richmond. Good morning to the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail. Love you guys. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. High five somebody and you can be seated. You can be seated. Well, we're in a series called What About? And I'll tell you about that in just another minute. But it's always a joy to look in the back of the room and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond. Uh, Pastor Jason, Brandy, the whole team there, we love you. Pray for you every day, excited about what God's doing in the heart of the city and Scott's edition. And of course, the men and women at Chesterfield County Jail, we love you and we're excited to be together. Everybody online as well. Thank you for being here uh, this weekend. I want to just say a huge thank you like you just heard from our team for your generosity is making a difference in the prison. We're, we're also making a little bit more in Midlothian, a little bit more parking. I don't know if you saw in the back. How many know we need a little more parking help? And so, uh, not help, but I mean space. And, uh, and so thank you for your generosity to Next. In fact, somebody asked me after 8.15, how do I get connected to Next? You can go on our website. You want to make a commitment to this expansion. You can still do that. But huge thank you for your generosity. We're making space for overflow parking and prepare for all God wants to do in the future of our church. And not only our expansion here building-wise, but ministry and in the jail and in the small groups. You're just an amazing church. Thank you for committing to, to just uh, resource the vision of our church. Church, giving faithfully in, in your tithes, offerings, and next. Just want to say a huge thank you to you for that. Well, we're in this series called What About? And uh, it's all based upon our Easter uh, survey. Every Easter, we take a survey where we ask you what you want to hear teach and, and, and brought from God's word, Bible passages, current events, all kinds of that. We compile hundreds of, of answers to that question. And so we're in a series called What About? And last week, if you missed it, we launched the series What About? We talked about what about the end times, and we attempted in 35 minutes to teach the whole book of Revelation. That was a bad idea, and uh, but so you can catch up on that. But today, I want to share with you on a subject that usually almost always ends up being one of the top three issues brought up on our survey every year. It's like the same, and we teach on it every year, but we must not be doing a good enough job. And uh, and it's what about, hey, pastor, what, what about anxiety, and what about stress, and how do I handle my emotions? And counselors tell us that about uh, 85% of Americans deal with anxiety and stress, and 15% of you don't at all. You're just easygoing. You're happy all the time. You never get anxious. The rest of us are very angry with you. And, uh, but, but most of us deal with this topic. And in fact, we, we, the U.S. makes up about 5% of the world's population, but we take about 80% of anxiety medications. And so how many know we're a stressed out culture? In fact, somebody told me <laughs> a, a little while ago that their dog had anxiety problems. I didn't know your dog. They're like, it shakes and we got to get. So we, we even got our pets on meds. And, uh, and so the truth, how many know we live in an anxious world, right? And where are the people that, no, no shame, I, I, I can't can get a little uptight too. Where are the people that we deal with anxiety and stress? Come on, let's just raise our hands all over the room, right? That's most of us. And and the Bible has something to say to this, speak to us about this topic, and I'm excited to share with it. But I wanted to show you this. I, I never really realized it till this week, and that is that if you take the word uh, stressed and you spell it backwards, it spells desserts. And the spiritual significance of that is nothing. I just found it interesting. (laughs) 
How many know that's why you come to the chapel for those kind of gold nuggets? And you know, uh, when we think about anxiety and stress and handling our emotions, I, I want to give you this working definition. I, I feel like here's what stress is, is there are just moments that we feel like the pressure in our life exceeds our capacity to handle it, right? That, that we feel like we're under such weight and pressure, we don't know how to handle it. And so if you're, if you're laughing less than you used to, you're more anxious, you're dealing with uh, feelings of doom, you, 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 you know, prophesy into your future that everything's going to be bad, and, and all, then, then maybe God's going to help you handle the, the subject of stress. And I was thinking of um, a story in the beginning of the Bible. Moses is leading God's people out of Egyptian bondage, and, and he's leading a, a group of four million people, theologians tell us and and he's the only one who handles all their questions okay he handles every debate and every disagreement they bring to him and he moderates their conflict and offers resolution and his father-in-law comes to him and he gives these words he says Moses what you're doing being the only one who handles all this is not good you can't you can't handle all that. And he goes on to tell him, uh, you and the people with you are gonna wear out. You're gonna wear yourself out. Look at these words. For the thing is too heavy for you. And man, when I read those words, I thought this is exactly how some of us feel in seasons of stress and anxiety, that just what we're carrying, it's too heavy for us. We don't know how to handle it. We can't, we're not able to do it alone. To me, that's what, what stress is. It's when the pressure in our life exceeds our capacity to handle the pressure in our life. And I want to talk to you this weekend about what do we do under those amounts of pressure to handle and process stress. But as we get going this weekend, I wonder if I could have a guy who would just volunteer to come up on the stage with me this weekend and sit in this chair this weekend. Come on, come on, let's do it. Now you know what you're doing, don't you? So before you sit, I want you to know this chair is rated for about 55 pounds, okay? Is that okay for you? Okay, here we go. You, come on, just I'll hold your hand. So as you sit down nice and easy, I would sit down nice and easy. Did that hurt you? No, okay. Well, you want me to help you up? Come on. This is my daughter's chair, and it's her favorite passed on from her grandmother. No, it isn't. I swear. Come on, give it up. Give it up. Come on, come and take this from me. And um, You know, uh, one, of the, one of the things that happens in our life is when the load that we have to carry is heavier than our humanity. How many know we break down? How many of you have ever felt like that chair? Come on, like, like I just can't carry the weight of this. I can't, I can't handle this. I can't handle the pressure. That's when, that's what happens in our life. In fact, Second Corinthians one, Paul says we 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 were at a place where we could not handle it, and despair entered our life. But this was taught to help to teach us to rely on God. So I want to talk to you this weekend about what do you do when the thing's too heavy? What do you do when the chair breaks? What do you do when you feel like you're under pressure and you're not going to be able to make it? My my dad and grandpa had a, a construction company growing up, and I would drive trucks for them and work for them every summer. And my, one of the trucks that, that we drove, one of the dump trucks, did, the gas gauge stopped working. And and my dad and grandpa didn't want to spend any money. If you've ever had your own business, you know how that goes. We don't need to fix the gas gauge. You just need to keep track of how many miles you've driven the truck so that you know when you need gas again, right? 
And I didn't realize that we were doing a couple of uh, job where they needed dirt delivered. And I made three or four deliveries. And I normally knew about how many trips and miles I could put on this tank, uh, uh, on one tank of gas on a dump truck. And literally, I remember going on over a bridge and running out of gas and stopping on the side of the road and telling my dad, Dad, there's no way I can be out of gas. I, I went, I have another 60 miles to drive. And he, him asking me, well, what have you been driving? And I told him dirt. And I didn't realize that the load, even though a third a load of dirt was so much less, it looked to me optically than larger loads I'd driven. But I was carrying a heavy weight, a heavier weight than normal. And it was wearing the, the gas tank down. And, and that, I think, is what stresses. It's when we're carrying a weight in our life that just feels too heavy for us. It just feels overwhelming. It's running the, the gas tank of our life into, de, into de, a depleted state. And I want to talk to us together this weekend about God's plan for stress and God's plan for anxiety, okay? Anybody with me this weekend, right? Like, how many want God's peace and not stress, right? So how do we, how do we handle this? this? is something we all live with, all handle. How do we manage our emotions? And we're gonna look together at Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9. And Paul is writing this letter of Philippians in a Roman jail. And its theme is, is joy and rejoicing. And it's the least time you'd ever think he'd be joy and rejoicing. He's in jail, and in fact, in chapter one, he's not sure if he's going to live or die, if he's even going to make it out. In chapter one, there are false apostles that are rising up and trying to hurt his ministry and come against him. And he's, so he's got pressure from within and pressure from without. Some people are fighting in the church and he's not sure if he's going to live and he's in jail and Nero's persecuting the church. And he writes a letter filled with joy. And, and the reason I say that is because he didn't deny his circumstances. He just found that in life, we have to have something beyond our circumstances to place our faith in. How many know that's true, right? And he gives us these words. They're some of the most famous, but I hope we'll be able to unpack them this weekend. He tells us not to worry about anything. How many know that's easy to read, hard to live? (laughs) Don't worry about anything. Really? Okay. Instead, I want to teach you something. Pray. Don't worry about anything. Instead, do what? Pray about everything. I heard one person say, the reason I worry about everything is because I pray about nothing, right? I mean, how many know the level of our ability to take our problems to God determines the level of peace we have? And so he says, I'm not going to worry. I want you not to worry about anything, but pray and tell God what you need. And yet do it with a thankful heart. Thank him for all he's done. And then you'll experience what? God's what? God's peace, which exceeds not just peace that will match us in the moment, but peace that will exceed anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds as we live in Christ Jesus. So let's talk over the next few minutes about a few principles that help us receive peace and manage our anxiety and stress. Right before this, Paul sets it up by telling them this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Come on, somebody say it with me. I say it again, what? Rejoice. Rejoice. So he says, I want you to always be full of joy, and I want you to be a person who rejoices. And so let me give you four thoughts this weekend that help us manage our stress. Here's the first one. We've got to get this one. We've got to learn to celebrate God's goodness, okay? How many know God has been good to you? And one of the challenges with anxiety is that it causes us to distort reality and lose sight of all the reasons we have to still be thankful and grateful for what God's done in our lives. 
And Paul says, before we even get to your problems, we better start with God's goodness. Because if you jump to your problems, you won't find a solution. But if you start with God's goodness, you gain perspective, you know. In fact, I'm really convinced that we live in a world that is not very grateful. (laughs) I mean, how many know we have a reason to be grateful? Anybody here have indoor plumbing? Come on, do you know, for all of humanity, you're part of a very small minority of people that have had indoor plumbing, you know? And how many drove here in a car? Come on, how many know we have a reason to be thankful this weekend, right? We just do, it's part of life, and... And I think if we're not careful, we don't realize that one of the sins, the the high-handed sins against God is a lack of gratitude. In fact, in Romans 1, that gives a whole list of all the different sins, all the ones we consider big and bad are in there. But one of the ones that Paul lists that we never talk about is thanklessness. Just not a thankful people. We can talk about all the other sins. They're big and they're bad. But how many know thanklessness and grumbling and complaining is kind of a Christian sin that we say is okay, right? I hear people say, no, I'm just a perfectionist. No, you're a jerk. This is good preaching. And... uh, And Paul says we got to learn to be a people who are filled with gratitude. And he starts with a focus, with a focus not on his problems, but on the goodness of God. There's a gratitude. There's a thankfulness. There's an appreciation, okay? I won't tell you which of my kids, but Friday night, uh, my wife came home from the grocery store and, and, and loaded up the pantry, loaded up the fridge and all that. And an hour later, one of my children came downstairs trying to figure out what to eat. And this one who will remain nameless, uh, for their sins are many, went to the pantry, looked in the pantry, went to the fridge, looked in the fridge, surveyed everything, and every parent knows what I'm about to say, don't you? Let us know a declaration that there was what? Nothing to eat in the house. You're making me feel better already. And so I went to the pantry and I described what I saw was available to be eaten in the pantry and in the fridge. And I didn't want, this person didn't want this or that or this or that. And finally, at the end, I just, this was not a proud parenting moment. I said, I hope you starve to death, you know. Because I'm just telling you, we live in a world where nothing to eat means 19 options don't sound good to me. How many know what I'm talking about? And I'm just saying, I think if we're not careful, friends, we do have problems and we do have stress and we do have issues. And we're going to talk about all that in just a minute. But we have to start by celebrating the goodness of God. I wonder if anybody in the room, God's been good to you and you have a reason in the middle of stress and anxiety to rejoice in the Lord, right? So Paul says, hey, before you meditate on just all your problems, that's your problem. Your problem is all you think about is your problem. And he's trying to teach us this principle not to meditate just on the mess in our life. That when we fixate on just the problems, we go from anxious to overwhelmed. But when we start by fixating on the goodness of God, it gives us perspective. How many know where our focus is often drives our life, right? In fact, there's a story in Matthew 14 that there's a storm on the lake and, and Jesus is passing by walking on the wind and waves and his disciples see him and they actually think it's a ghost. They say, is that a ghost? And then Peter says, I think it's the Lord. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on the water. And Jesus says, well, come on. And the Bible says, Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus And yet in that moment when he saw the wind, when Peter saw the wind, he was what? He was 
afraid and began to sink. Here's the point. When he was looking at Jesus, he had power and possibilities. But when he was fixating on the mess, he started to sink. And I wonder this weekend if it's not that we don't have problems and it's not that we don't have anxiety and stress. I wonder if it's elevated in our life because we're choosing to, or you could put it this way, the more we stare at our problems, the bigger they get, right? The more I'm just gonna fix, I'm gonna fix my eyes about it. I'm gonna think about it. I'm gonna focus on it, right? In fact, somebody told me after the 815 service, she was skilled at doing a bunch of uh, water sports on the James River. And she said, one of the first things we teach people when they're learning to rapid in any way is when you're leading a group of people on the water, never take your oar and point at where you don't wanna go. <laughs> because for some reason, that's what people had. And she said, you can always tell somebody that's new on the water because whenever they see a problem, they just point like, don't go that way. Well, everybody else thinks, well, don't go that way. And guess what happens when you think long enough? This is what she said. She said, when you think long enough, don't go that way. Guess what you do? You go that way. (laughs) And she said, no, no, no. You point where you want to go, not where you don't want to go. And Paul tells us if we're going to get over stress and worry, it won't be by staring at where we don't want to go. It won't be by fixating on some areas we don't want to head. It will be by following God's goodness and focusing on God's possibilities, right? All right, you say, well, Pastor, all right, I'm celebrating God's goodness, but I still got some problems. What do I do with my problems? Is that what you asked this weekend? What do I do with my problems? Did you ask that? Come on, just ask that. Come on, 11.15, right? What do I do with my problems? All right, great. Here's the second thing Paul teaches us. He teaches us to learn to leave our concerns with God, right? In fact, in fact, he says, as you go to God in prayer, you, you're gonna dump your anxieties, cast your burdens First Peter says, he says, take your requests, leave your concerns, bring your problems to God. Like somebody dropping their car off at the mechanic, right? They're saying, I'm trusting you to fix what's wrong with my problems. But I think the truth is when we bring our problems to God, we kind of stand over his shoulder and we're like, God, when are you about to fix this? (laughs) I'm gonna help you because I'm not sure you can do this on your own. So I'm going to watch you. I'm going to inspect what you're doing. I'm going to fixate on this. No, no, no. Paul says, let's be people who bring our problems, leave our concerns to God. And then he gives us the second time in the same passage how our focus should be. He says, when you're presenting your request to God, make sure you do it with an attitude of what? Come on, thanksgiving. He says, even when you're unloading your burdens to God, have a spirit of of thankfulness and gratitude and appreciation. Here's why I think this is so true in our lives. Anxiety and gratitude cannot share the same heart. Did you know that's true? That when you rehearse the goodness of God in your life, it'll squeeze out the anxieties of life. Fixating on problems leads to more anxiety. Uh, Bringing our needs to God with a spirit of thanksgiving and trust in him brings peace in our lives. My wife said to me yesterday, she said, this week's gonna be a bad week. This next week's gonna be a bad week and I didn't know what she meant. So I was like, oh no, what's, why is it gonna be a bad week? And she said, because the weather is gonna be in the 90s every day and I'm ready for fall. Anybody feel that way, like ready for fall? And I, I just, I, I don't know, I was thinking about this message and so I decided a moment of correction was in store for her. <laughs> and I said, you know, we grew up in upstate New York where it's cold and overcast 370 days a year. 
You remember that? In New York right now, it'd be cold and it would probably be snowing. We grew up in Syracuse where there's 100 inches of snow every, every winter. And you, remember, and you remember we'd have the heat on by now and it'd be miserable. And there were high taxes and potholes everywhere. And, 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 there, and we, every time about this year, the next six months were winter, we had seasonal defective disorder, right? Like I just, like I can't see the sun. I'm so miserable. It's terrible. I'm not happy. And I said to her, you know, we moved. You, you lived with all the overcast for year after year after year and the Lord delivered you from such a place as that and set you in a place of of Richmond, Virginia where you're going to get plenty of sun and sunsets and less depression plus look how good looking I am. God has been good to you so get a better attitude. Come on. God's at work in her life. She's a work in process. No, but Paul's teaching us, hey, as we unload our struggles... Let it be done with the spirit of thanksgiving. He says, you're going to leave your request with God. Yeah, we've got problems. Anybody got problems, right? Yeah, we got problems. But I'm going to do, I'm going to take my problems to God. I'm going to leave them with him. And I'm going to do it in a spirit and an attitude of thanksgiving. Now, one of the best passages, if you deal with stress and anxiety, in fact, I think maybe you should memorize it, is Jesus' words in Matthew 6, verse 20, to the end of the chapter. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us, how to handle worry about money and the future and inflation and worry. And, and, and at the very end of Jesus' teaching, he says these amazing words. We can't look at all the verses, but this is a big one you need to know. He says, don't worry about, come on, don't worry about what? Tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. <laughs> Today's trouble is enough for today. He's teaching us a principle that oftentimes many of us live in worry, not just because we have today's present problems, but because we're forecasting them as tomorrow's future uncertainty. How many would admit a lot of times your stress isn't just what you're doing today, it's about what might be. It's a, somebody said um, uh, fear is just a meteor shower of what ifs. <laughs> you know, what if? It, it might. You never know. The future is going to be. I don't know. And and all of a sudden, we we almost prophesy into our future bad. And Jesus teaches us a principle. No, no, no. Tomorrow is going to worry about tomorrow. You got to live in today. Just write this down. We've got to learn to leave live each day in it on its own. Right. He says each day has enough grace for just that day. And when you take on tomorrow with today's grace, how many know today's grace is not enough for tomorrow's trouble? It's only enough for today's trouble. (laughs) And so I've got to live today's trouble with today's strength and leave tomorrow's trouble for tomorrow's strength. In fact, Lamentations 3 says that God's mercy, anybody know the verse? God's mercies are new every, every morning. That means every morning God's doled out a group of mercy for us. But that mercy is only enough for that day. And when I try to take that mercy and stretch it out over tomorrow, God says, that's not what I'm designed. I just designed for you to live in the moment. And for those of you that are planners and think about the future and you love lists and you've got calendars and you know where you're going on vacation next July, come on, stop it. Come on, where are those of you? You're like, no, you don't understand. In 11 years, my kids retiring and their college fund needs to be at 7.2%. You know. And God is literally teaching us this principle to put a boundary on today, okay? 
and say, tomorrow's going to worry about tomorrow, but today's going to handle today. I'm going to learn the discipline of living in the moment of not. Uh, one person said 90 some odd percent of all the fears we fear about the future never come to pass. And oh, how much time we spend worrying about how they're going to come to pass. So I'm challenging us today. Hey, let's just live in the day. Let's live in the moment. Let's live right where God has us right now. Tomorrow's going to have its own tomorrow problems. But today I'm going to trust Jesus. Can anybody say amen to that, right? And so Paul makes the shift and he says, if you do that, if you live in the today and you take your concerns to God and you trust him, something amazing is going to happen. He says, there's going to be an experience of God's peace that's not just going to meet you at your problem. It's going to exceed what you think. And it's going to go beyond what even human understanding can do. Let me just say one thing. I think one of the challenges for us as people is when we live life only with our own understanding. How many know life is bigger than us? Like, like I mean, you see a butter, the beauty of a butterfly or a sunset. or Like you just realize there's such a big God. How many know God is smarter than us, right? And Paul says, God's about to give you some peace that's going to go beyond human understanding. Your friends won't understand it. Your neighbors won't understand it. Your circumstances won't even, won't even be adequate for it. But he's going to give you that peace that, it can, that, that exceeds your understanding. And that peace is going to what? Guard your heart. Okay? And it's going to guard your mind. And in this, Paul, I want you to get the picture. He's writing from a Roman prison. He's chained to a prison guard. And as he's writing this, he'd look up from his pad, as, uh, from the papyrus he's writing on, and he'd see that Roman soldier standing chained to him. And he says, the peace of God is kind of like, it's like, like this soldier's guarding me. God's going to put his peace to stand at guard of our mind and our hearts so that we can, how many, isn't that an incredible principle? Just write this down. Last thought this weekend. Last of the big four principles. We need to learn to receive the gift of surpassing peace in our life. That God's giving us a gift, not just a peace to meet us in the moment, but to exceed what we're doing. And that word peace in Greek is literally the Greek word arene, which means to be at one peace or quietness or rest. It means that God's going to give a peace that just, just blankets our heart and mind. It's total rest. All anxiety gone. And it's a peace that's going to go beyond our human understanding. <laughs> We're gonna, you're going to literally think that thoughts like this. I should be more anxious right now. But God in this moment has given me peace that's almost irrational. It exceeds my understanding. In fact, the Greek word surpasses is the word hupermene which is where we get the word hyper, which means above. I'll never forget when I realized what a hyper, I, I bought a puppy a few years ago. How many know they're hyper, right? And I thought, well, it'll get over it. And I'd watch six of us would come home from somewhere and the little pipe, uh, puppy Louie would come out and he'd run around the, the island in the kitchen and he was making noises that sounded like he was hurt. You know, you're like, chill out, bro. And one after another, the six of my family would walk in the door and I'd think he surely can't have more excitement. And the next person would walk in and boom, he'd take off around the island, squealing like, and, and then the next person, and you just go, and I, I thought to myself, this will wear out. I'm three years in and this dumb dog still does this, right? 
I mean, it's like too much. Like I woke up this morning. I'm just right there. And he's acting like he hasn't seen me for weeks. It's so above, extra, what it needs to be. That is literally the Greek word that Paul uses. God's going to give a, a peace in your heart that's not just equivalent for your challenge. It's extra. It's above. It's too much. It, it, it exceeds what you could even think or imagine. That's the kind of peace God's going to give. In fact, Jesus put it this way. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you peace like the world gives. No, look at this. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. God's come to give us peace. How many would sign up for a, for a dose of peace, right? Like peace. I was thinking to myself the other week, why are we, why are we so obsessed with British royalty in this country? Come on. Where are the people you've just been watching everything about the queen? Come on, just raise your hand all over the room. Okay, uh, I'm kind of in on it a little too myself. Like, And I don't know why. I was just thinking, like, why are we so obsessed with the queen? It's not our queen and, you know, day after day of funeral and all this stuff. I don't know. But I'm watching the news the other day, and I couldn't believe what they said. They asked that same question. Why are, we, why are people so interested in British royalty? And then I, I will not, I will tell you, I will remember where I was when I heard them say this because I couldn't believe it. They said the reason that people are um, obsessed with British royalty is because built within the human psyche is the desire to be a part of a kingdom with a sovereign who's in charge. This is on the news. I literally hit the 10 second back button and said, what did they just say? And they said, the reason that people are so interested in British royalty is because built within deep within the human psyche is the desire to be a part of a kingdom and to have a sovereign that rules over them that they can trust in. And so I rewinded it again and I pressed pause and I said, Katie, come in here. They're preaching on the news. I want you to, how many know it's not many times on the news you say, I got something good. I said, you got to hear they're preaching on the news. And she said, what do you mean they're preaching on the news? I said, just be quiet. Kings and kingdoms. Just Deep within the human psyche is a desire to want to be a part of a kingdom. And to have a sovereign who's over it all that you can trust. And I rewound it again and I said, man, I'm getting ready to preach this weekend. And what I'm preaching on this weekend is better than a queen. Because kings and kingdoms of this world pass away. But there is a ruler that we are a part of a kingdom. In fact, let me show you it. No one ever brings this up. But in Philippians 4, 7, it says that God's going to give the peace of God to us. But you've got to look at verse 9 to realize where the peace of God comes from. Because Paul says this in two verses later. He says, the reason you can have the peace of God is because in the very nature of God is peace. He says, and the God of peace will be with you. So the reason you can have the peace of God is because when you get God in your life, he is a God who literally defines his very nature, character, and attributes as a God of peace. That means you can't invite the God of peace into your life without getting the peace of God, right? That, that literally, there's this picture in, Roman, or in Revelation chapter 5 of God sitting on the throne in heaven. And there as he sits on the throne, hands on the side of the throne, the Bible says there's a sea in front of him that is literally 
The Bible says it's still as glass. Meaning there's no wind, no ripple, no, no, no movement. And I just had that thought, Chapel, as I was driving here this weekend. That there are some people here that you need to know that wherever God's throne and rule is, there is no hurry. There is no worry. There is no anxiety. There is no uncertainty. Wherever God is, there is peace. Because where the peace of God is, is the one who is the prince of peace. The God who in his very nature is peace. And he offers that to you and to me. The God of peace. You say, Pastor, I want some of that peace. How do I sign up? I'll take, you know, what, what number is it? I'll take the number two, you know, peace. It's when you embrace who God is. Because in his very nature, he is peace. And he's come to give us that today. You want that? I want that. Would you bow with me all over this room in just a second? We're going to sing a half song before we close this weekend. But you're here this weekend and you say, Pastor, I'm not certain maybe that you even have a relationship with God. You see, before you can have the peace of God, the Bible teaches we need peace with God. Ephesians 2 says, he is our peace, Jesus, who has broken down every wall that divided us. That means this weekend, if you don't have a connection to God through Jesus Christ, then you do not have peace with God. But Jesus has come to give you peace with God. And you can just tr trust in him this weekend. Place your faith fully in him. If you're here this weekend and you say, Pastor, I'm not certain I'm right with God, or maybe I've wandered far away from him. I'm not certain where I'm at in my relationship with God. Would you pray for me today, Pastor, that I would have peace with God. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you today, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not certain of where I'm at in a relationship with God. I want peace with God. Raise your hand. Yes. Are there others? Yes. Are there others? Yes. Are there others? Yes. Are there others? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not certain of where I'm at in my own connection to God. And today I want to get my heart and life right with Jesus. I want to know the peace that can surpass understanding one last time before I pray anybody else say pastor pray for me yes sir I see that yes ma'am anybody else pastor pray for me I'm going to pray and then I'm going to turn it over to Scott's edition yes I see that sir thank you very much I see that right where you're seated you pray a prayer that goes like this God I know I've come up short I know I haven't had peace with you but I believe Jesus Christ died upon a cross and rose from the dead to give me eternal life and so today I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Will you save me? Will you rescue me? Will you change me? Will you let me be born again, born new to your kingdom? Today I make you the treasure of my life and my heart. Today I turn away from my sin and myself. I trust you as Lord and Savior. Rescue me. Let today be a changing day in my life. I'm giving you every bit of who I am. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. I'm going to turn it over to Scott's edition.